Good day, listeners. This is your host, Michael Martins, with the Martins Critical Review, broadcasting this morning under a very overcast sky here in south-central British Columbia. In today's program, we continue our series on the conservation of humanity, dissecting the COVID-19 Wuhan flu virus and the massive and unwarranted overreaction perpetrated by governments around the world. Joining us again today is the legend in the medical field, Dr. Lorraine Day, MD. Dr. Day graduated from UC San Francisco Medical School in 1969 and immediately entered orthopedic surgery residency. She became an internationally acclaimed orthopedic trauma surgeon who was for 15 years on the faculty of University of California, San Francisco School of Medicine as an associate professor and vice chairman of the Department of Orthopedics. She was also chief of orthopedic surgery at San Francisco General Hospital and is recognized worldwide as an AIDS expert. In 1993, Dr. Day was diagnosed with breast cancer, biopsy proven at two major medical centers in California. She refused chemotherapy, radiation, and mutilating surgery because of the destructive side effects and chose to use natural methods to rebuild her immune system and regain her health. Through her long and difficult struggle to get well, she was shocked to learn of the enormous cover-up by organized medicine and the pharmaceutical companies of natural, inexpensive cancer therapies. Dr. Day was able to reverse her severe, advanced-stage breast cancer by rebuilding her immune system by natural therapies so her body could heal itself. Dr. Day is also a best-selling author and has been invited to lecture extensively throughout the U.S. and the world and has appeared on numerous radio and television shows including 60 Minutes, Nightline, CNN, Oprah Winfrey, Larry King, USA Radio, and the Art Bell Radio Show. Today, we'll be examining her new book, The Deliberate Destruction of America and the World, who is doing it and why. We will touch on many controversial topics and hope to shed some light on the present world narrative. Dr. Day, it's a great pleasure to speak with you again today. Thank you so much for your time and welcome back to the show. Thank you so much. So let's begin today with, with a question, which is why is the number 438 million murders so significant to today's discussion? Well, that's how many uh, Gentiles have been killed by the Jews. Uh, we hear all the time about the six million of the Holocaust. In my newest book, I show a newspaper article from 1921 during World War I, where they tried to get the six million uh, figure going, but it didn't fly. And so they had to then resurrect that number in World War II. So we're always hearing about uh, how the Jews are such victims of this horrible Nazi um, slaughter. Uh, when, when we know that four and a half million Jews came out of the camps and there weren't even six million Jews in that part of Germany at the beginning of World War II. So there are some severe problems there. No one has ever been able to prove that there were gas chambers in any of the camps. And now even uh, the Jews agree that there weren't any gas chambers except at Auschwitz and Auschwitz-Birkenau. Well, there's no evidence they were there either. And the, um, the holes in the ceiling where supposedly the Zyklon B was thrown through, which is not the way you do it in a, a, an execution chamber, they were added after the war. This has all been documented and it's documented in my book. So it turns out that the Jews have been killing Gentiles for a hundred years, certainly during, if you look at uh, the World War I, those soldiers that were killed were almost 100% Gentiles. The war was started by the Jews trying to get Palestine uh, for the Jews of today. 
And then World War II, there were millions of young Gentile men killed in both the UK and, and the United from, from the United States military. And, and we go after war after war after war. The US military is the, the dirty, do our dirty business arm of the Rothschilds in London who run the world and who own half of the wealth of the world and who are of that same ethnicity. So this is it. I mean, the Jews have killed 438 million Gentiles. Uh, even if Hitler had, had killed 6 million Jews, that, that I'm not saying that everybody's life is not important. I'm just saying that that is a tiny number compared to 438 million, but that number is not true anyway. I show in my book, in the camps, they had dining halls, uh, swimming pools, soccer fields, uh, performance arts centers, orchestras. I show it all. I prove it all. It's all there. Interesting. And so that uh, that 438 million murders, that goes back to the 1920s then to present. Is that correct? Yes. Right. And the, right. And well, then that of course, even the 6 million was supposedly from like 43 to 45. So we're all right in that area. And again, you know, um, I, I was around during World War II. The first real memory I have is from the beginning of our entry into the war. I was four years old, four years old in 1941. And I had, my dad had taken me in the car at that time. Uh, he was going to the store for something. And uh, I, was, I was left in the car because at that time, uh, people didn't, didn't abduct and molest children. So you could leave your child in the car for a few minutes while you went into a store and the child didn't run away and didn't do stupid things. Um, so my father came out from the store and I recognized that something was terribly wrong. Even though I was only four years old, I didn't understand the whole situation. But he was pale and he said to me, Japan has just attacked Pearl Harbor. We're at war. And I was, you know, I, I realized something bad was going on. And then when I was six years old, my maternal grandmother was dying of cancer. So my mother had to go to Brooklyn to be with her. My father couldn't take care of both of my brother and me. So I went to stay with my grandmother in Washington, D.C. This is during World War II. And we had air raid warnings that we had. This is Washington, D.C., of course, the capital of the country. And so we had to have blackouts on our windows. And I remember, I mean, I was really scared, six years old, and I was away from my parents. I loved my grandmother, but it wasn't my parents. And so I remember World War II. I also remember that after World War II, there was no talk of any Holocaust. There's no talk of any Holocaust. Nobody heard about, oh, Jews were gassed during World no, We didn't hear anything about that. I went to the newsreels. Nobody knew anything about that. Guess why? Didn't happen. And even the, as I show in the book, the memoirs of, of uh, de Gaulle and uh, uh, Churchill and Eisenhower, Thousands of pages of memoirs, not one mention of the Holocaust, not yeah. one. And, and, and uh, Winston Churchill was a Jew and Eisenhower was a Jew. Uh, I don't have any information whether de Gaulle was or not, but if, if there had been a Holocaust, these two Jewish um, authors would have talked about it. 
not a single word. We didn't start hearing about it until, oh, 15 years later, something like that. And, and you see, then they, they just, they, they own the media. And so then they kept talking about it, talking. Now everybody believes that it happened. They're doing the same thing with COVID. When COVID, they first start talking about COVID. See, COVID doesn't exist. COVID doesn't exist. COVID-19 does not exist. We, oh, 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 but I know a friend who died of COVID. No, they didn't. Doesn't exist. They made it up. They were already trying to patent this non-existent virus in 2003. I show that in my book. This is all a hoax. People say, oh no, oh no, you know, you're wrong. You're, no, I'm not wrong. I mean, this is what they do. They lie. On my wall, I have a picture of the former uh, CIA director, uh, William Casey. In 1981, he was the director of our CIA. He said, we will know that our disinformation program is complete when everything every American believes is a lie. This is what they do, they lie. And everybody seems to believe their lies. Now, you know, we were not, where I live in Southern California, about six months ago, we no longer had to wear a mask. By the way, I'm a surgeon. Viruses come right through a mask. Viruses come right through a mask. They don't do any testing to see if a virus comes through a mask. They do testing to see if a big glob of saliva when you cough comes through a mask. So I mean, they I mean they rigged the studies. Everything is a lie. Again, I was I was alive, not only alive, but on on national media thirty years ago during the heights of the AIDS epidemic. They were lying about everything then. They're lying about everything now. I was an advisor for the Centers for Disease Control at that time until I realize they're lying about everything. Yes, yes. And, and just to dial the conversation back, those three gentlemen that you mentioned, uh, Eisenhower, De Gaulle, and um, Churchill, their memoirs, I believe, total some 29,000 pages. So we're, we're not talking about, you know, a few dozen notes in, on, a, on a page. This is a very, very comprehensive documentation. And for that not to appear immediately post-war, one has to raise the question, which, which brings uh, to mind uh, Voltaire's statement, to learn who rules over you, find out who you're not allowed to criticize, and the other statement, which is truth does not fear investigation. And I think that both of these statements are paramount to today's discussion. Well, there's another one that's paramount, and that's what Churchill said. He said, most men stumble over the truth, but most pick themselves up and hurry on as if nothing had happened. And mm -hmm. that's what happens. People stumble over, oh, they don't want to believe it. You know why? Because... They don't believe in God. They believe in their government. They believe in government like their mommy. And, they, you know, it's a horrible thing to think that your mommy wants you dead. You were raised all by your mommy, and then you find out she really wanted you dead. Your, the government is their mommy. And so they want to believe the government because they want to be safe. And so they have to believe the government. But their mommy, the government, hates them and wants them dead. Uh, there's, a, there's a book I have on my bookshelf here that's called, um, uh, let's see, it's, it's written by a guy who shows that it's death by government. And he shows that more people have been killed by their own governments than have ever been killed by invading foreign armies. 
Yes. So the, the thing is that the, this is what governments do. They become evil. Anything that's run by man becomes evil. See, what God is allowing is he's allowing us throughout history to try every form of government. We have theocracies. We have um, run by man. We have royalty. We have uh, tyrants. We have supposed democracy, we have socialism, we have communism, they all fail because they're run by man. The only one who can rule us in the proper way is God. And everybody has rejected God. Interesting. Uh, and then the other interesting statement here, I think, which is very pertinent to today's discussion, is from the technocrat Zbigniew Brzezinski in 1972, uh, where he speaks about the CIA's Operation Mockingbird, uh, which is that shortly the public will be unable to reason or think for themselves. They will only be able to parrot the information they have been given on the previous night's news. And this is something that has really rung true for me when I speak to the average folk on the street. And they're, they're literally paraphrasing the garbage that they've heard from CBC or CNN the night before uh, without any critical analysis, without any secondary research. And this is from 1972. I mean, this is 49 years ago that that statement is made. Right. Uh, the, the other thing that's happening is you see, when you just watch television, you don't read books. Nobody reads books anymore. When you watch television or social media, or anything that's moving, even what we're doing today. When you watch that, you, uh, your brain is in alpha waves, where the information can go directly into your brain without you being able to analyze it. When you read a book, your brain is in beta waves, where you can stop, you can analyze it, you can say, is this true? You can look at another place in the book, you can get another book out, you can analyze it. Your brain is in beta waves. Every mother knows what it is to call a child to dinner when they're watching TV. They don't even hear her. They are hypnotized. They are in alpha waves. Now, it's also interesting to know that, uh, you know, they got the new Delta variant. The Delta variant. Oh, oh Delta plus variant now. Well, Delta waves are the waves you have when you're in your deepest sleep. So they're using all of these things. This is called revelation of the method. They push it right in your face. Um, just like the coronavirus. What is corona? Corona means crown. What is the corporation that's running the world? The Rothschilds Corporation is the crown corporation. It is not the royal family. When the royal family goes to this one mile square area called the city in the city of London, they bow to the Rothschild. The queen bows to the Rothschilds. They run the world. They run the royal family. They tell the royal family what to do. And so, uh, and they are all Jews. The royal family is all Jews. Queen Elizabeth is a Jew. They're not, they're not British. They're Jews. And so this is, this is what people cannot think anymore. Plus, they put fluoride in the water. What people don't know about fluoride, first of all, fluoride does not prevent cavities. That's the, that's the con game they've told you. It does not prevent cavities. Uh, many, many studies have shown that. And when it was first introduced, dentists were very against it. But then they replaced the head of the dental association with one of their guys, and then they started promoting it. Fluoride is a toxin. 
it is a waste product of aluminum production. So they can get rid of it and, and actually have the states pay for it by putting it in the water. What people don't know, what they don't know is Prozac and all these other antidepressants. Prozac is fluoxetine. It's fluoride. It changes your brain. They also don't know that the some of the major general anesthetics, I'm a surgeon, some of the general anesthetics that we use in the operating room are fluoride compounds. You come into the hospital walking and of sound mind, and we give you these fluoride compounds and you are comatose in five seconds. It affects your brain. Fluoride affects your brain. Now they have it in the water. Now they have it in the toothpaste. Now they have it in the mouthwash. Even dentists are putting it in the filling materials they're putting in your teeth. But yet when it has to be uh, gotten rid of as a waste product, it is a toxic waste. It has to be put, it has to be treated as a toxic material. And yet you're drinking it and you think it's good for you. And it's what it's frying your brain so you cannot make proper judgments. Interesting. Interesting. So to, to touch off uh, the conversation there where you mentioned that you were the young girl sitting in your father's vehicle, uh, what has changed in America over your lifetime and what do you attribute this change to? Oh, well, when I was, when I was uh, eight years old living in Seattle, um, I could go downtown on public transportation by myself, downtown Seattle to take my piano lesson and wait for my dad at the number one main intersection in downtown Seattle at night after dark, perfectly safe. You wouldn't last five minutes today. <laughs> we, we had, we, uh, my brother and I, when I was six and he was nine, we could hitchhike. People would pick us up. They leave us off. Everybody picked up hitchhikers. I, I could walk any place. I walked to school. I walked home. Nobody molested children. When you went downtown on the bus as a little girl, the bus driver, he took care of you rather than molesting you. And so th this was very, very different. When things actually changed big was when they shot Kennedy. And it was the Jews that shot Kennedy because um, first of all, he understood who was really controlling it. He realized that the CIA was run by the Jews and they were actually an alternate government. He wasn't running the government and he was gonna get rid of the CIA. He was gonna get rid of the FBI. He was gonna get rid of all of these organizations because he knew that they had been infiltrated and taken over. So they had to blow his brains out publicly uh, to uh, send a message to anyone who was president after that, don't mess with us. And so that's when everything changed because see, in, that was in 1963. I started medical school in 1965. In 1969, the year I graduated from medical school, the following class that would begin in 1969, the fall of 1969 would be the first ungraded class. Now I was on the faculty then, so we had a terrible time. We would use code words because if you had to give a, um, uh, a, um, a letter to some other school about an entering student or something, it, they, see, they wanted to eliminate grades 
only the top 10% got grades after that. If you were in the 11th percentile from the top or in the last percentile, the 99th percent, you couldn't tell the difference between them according to grades because they just got pass or fail. So this was the beginning of mediocrity. They wanted to take the top 10%. So this, this began in in 1969 and they 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 took over also they took over the immigration policy in 64 when they shot kennedy in 63 because kennedy would not let the jews control his administration he understand understood what they were trying to do and so that's when the major changes came now there were some because people were leaving god as people get um uh, more financially secure, they don't have the same need for God to run their life. And so you see people have rejected God now. They've turned their back on God. They don't need God. You know, believing in God is stupid. Well, of course, the Jews have infiltrated the Christian denominations and made the doctrines stupid. Uh, the, virtually the whole Christian world now worships Satan. They don't even know it. In the Old Testament, it was Moloch, the satanic gods that required human burning sacrifices. They, they required human burning sacrifices. Now, the church says that God's going to require the same thing, human burning sacrifices in hell. Well, then he's no different from Satan. And yet in Jeremiah 32, 35, God says to the Israelites, you pass your children through the fire to Moloch. They're offering their children as human burning sacrifices. He said, that, that is an abomination. I never commanded you to do that. That thought would never enter into my mind. Jeremiah 32, 35 and several other tests just like that. What thought would never enter into God's mind? The thought of burning a human being alive. The word hell is not in the Bible. It's been uh, written into the Bible by the translators. The word is always rape. Mm. Always rape. Well, that's Not that's interesting. That's very interesting that you say that because that's been a contention of mine. And when I visit with some friends at Bible study, and they're always on about uh, you know the eternal damnation and so forth. And to me, logically, you know, and, and I'm always asked, well, you know, you just need to have faith and accept. And it's like, well, number one, I know, I know that. Right. The yeah, the, the Bible is a, you know, the King James Version is an editorialization of a series of scrolls from 1735, and King James maybe wasn't the most um, savory gentleman. And so there has been a bunch of editorialization. And clearly, if, if God is omnipotent and all-loving, why would he want any of his children to burn in eternal hell? Uh, it makes no sense. It's very important. I have written a book called Who Rewrote the Bible? I address all of these and I show you from the original text. Now, the King James was not only an unsavory character, he is buried between his two homosexual paramours. Okay, all right, that's number one. Uh, the, the, the other thing is that the, um, the authors, the original authors of the Bible were inspired by God. The translators were hired by man. So, and who were the major translators of the Bible? The ones who spoke Hebrew, today's Jews. They wrote hell into the Bible. In the Old Testament, the word is Sheol. If you look at Isaiah 14, Isaiah chapter 14 and verses 9 and 11, this is where I came onto this one day, and I've written this book, Who Rewrote the Bible? There are no many words that are not in the Bible. The ones that you just mentioned, eternal damnation, those words are not in the Bible. Whenever it says damnation or condemnation, the word is always judging. 
God judges. He judges between right and wrong. And everybody will reap what they've sown, but not to eternal annihilation. And the words eternal, the words eternal and eternity and, and forever and ever are not in the Bible. By the way, how do you add an ever to forever? Okay, stop. It's dumb. The words are eons of the eons. The words eternal, eternity, everlasting, and forever are not in the Bible. The word is always eon. And we know that eon is not eternity because the Bible talks about the conclusions of the eons. Well, eternity never concludes, but they didn't know what to do with those words, so they called it the end of the world. No, it's the conclusion of the eons. The eons are periods of time with a beginning and an end, the length of which is designated by God. That's why it's so stupid for Christians now to keep doing the feast, the feast of the system of feasts and sacrifice. That's the Judaizing of the Christian church. The system of feasts and sacrifices look forward to the first coming of Christ, the Messiah, to this earth when he was born into the earth. But in the, in the translations of the Bible that say you shall keep them forever. No, you shall keep them for the eons until Christ is born and is, is uh, crucified and resurrected. And then they're done. They're done because if you still keep them, that means you're still looking for the Messiah. And that means that Christ is not the Messiah. Okay. So when Christians do that, they don't even know what they're doing. All right. Because churches are also set up like TV, to put you into a trance state. When you go into a church, you are in alpha waves. And I showed this, I've got a book, not only called Who Wrote the Bible, where I go back to the 1985 book that's available. You can go on the internet and get it. It's only $35, $40. And it's called the Interlinear Bible. It's by J. Green, J-A-Y Green, Interlinear Bible. It's the Old Testament in Hebrew and the New Testament in Greek. And it has the English words underneath. Now, it's a whole lot better than the King James or the NIV or any of those. It's still not perfect. But I show you in, in the third chapter of my book, Who Wrote the Bible, the resources I use to be able to sort this out. So the word... The word hell is not in the Bible. The word Jew is not in the Bible. The word Gentile is not in the Bible. Uh, the word uh, Jew is always Judean, never Jew. Now, again, the word Hebrew does not mean Jew. When Abraham traveled from Babylon to Canaan, his genes didn't change. His location changed, but his genes didn't change. And and so what, um, what God called him out of Babylon, out of paganism, to cross the Euphrates. And, and, and this is all in, I think, Joshua, it's either Joshua 24, 2, and 3, where Joshua is saying, God called Abraham to cross over the flood. The flood was the Euphrates River, a major dividing line between Babylon and Canaan. He called him to cross over the flood where his family worshiped strange gods, okay? So God called him to cross over, to come to Canaan, and to cross over from being a pagan to being a worshiper of the true God. And if you look it up on the internet, the word Hebrew means to cross over. It does not mm. mean to. It means That's to cross over, all right? So Abraham was a Hebrew because he crossed over not only the Euphrates, but he crossed over from being a pagan to being a true worshiper of God. So Abraham was looking forward to Christ the Messiah, 
In fact, he came in his bloodline. You know, his parents were in the bloodline of Abraham. And so Abraham was called a Hebrew. That's what Christians were called before Christ the Messiah was born. The word means Christian before Christ. It means a worshiper of the true God does not mean Jew. How, how when Abraham moved from, uh, from Babylon to Canaan, how did his genes change? Change to become a Jew? It's crazy. And, you know, then he had Isaac, and Isaac had twins, Jacob and Esau. Well, the Jews of today never consider Esau a Jew, but they do Jacob. How did two twins come out of the same womb at the same time? One's a Jew and one's not. That's craziness. You see, it's all made up. It's all made up. The word then, then when they built, then when they built the temple in Jerusalem, in Judea, many hundreds of years after Abraham, the true worshipers of the true God were called Judeans because they worshiped at the temple in Jerusalem in Judea. So they were called Judeans. They weren't Jews, they were Judeans. Those were, that was the name for Christians, again, before Christ was born. And then after Christ was born, they were actually first called the people of the way because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then in Antioch, they were finally called Christians. But the word Hebrew and Judean refer to those who worship the true God. And see, the word Gentiles is not in there now. It was always the nations. And the Bible tells us the nations were those who knew not God. They worshiped pagan gods. So there were the Judeans who worshiped the true God and the nations who worshiped pagan gods. It was a form of worship. And then the Jewish translators got in there and they changed it to an ethnicity to Jews and Gentiles. Not there. Interesting. So um, given this, again, back to the change of America, have the government agencies in America, including the CDC, FDA, NIH, NIAID, and others, including the media, been massively compromised? They're all owned by Jews. <laughs> How about that? I mean, all sure. the media is owned by Jews. Walensky, what is that? Walensky is not American, all right? Uh, that she's a Jew. They're all Jews. They're all Jews. They all Jews run it all. They run the whole government. And as I show in the book, nine of the last 14 presidents have been Jews. Franklin Delano Roosevelt, his, I give his lineage. He was a Jew. It was Rosenvelt. I have his lineage in the book. Winston Churchill was a Jew. His mother was Jenny Jerome. I give his lineage. He was a Jew. Uh, uh, the uh, Stalin and Lenin were both Jews. They were Jews. All right. You, you never hear about them when you talk about horror uh, tyrants. It's always Hitler. Hitler was the one who knew about the Jews. He knew they were going to try to take over the world. He was trying to stop it. And so, so this is this is the whole problem. People, people can't think anymore. They can't. The other thing is they don't want to do anything hard. They don't want to do anything hard. You know. Oh man. You know. Read a book. Read a book. Someone talked. Someone emailed me just this week, and said the problem with my book, Who Rewrote the Bible, which by the way is 900 pages. The, 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 but, but see, it takes that long to dispel all the horrible things. That one's 800. Yeah. Over 800, I think. 803. Yeah, the book, Who Rewrote the Bible, is not eight and a half by 11. It's like nine by six, but it's 900 pages because it takes that long for me to dispel all the false doctrines of the Christian church. 
again, people say, you know, well, you know, God gave us free will. Well, really, Ephesians 1.11 says God is operating everything according to his will, not ours, not ours. So, well, then we're just robots. Now, now if God gave us free will, how did God harden Pharaoh's heart? That's what it says in the Bible, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. How did he do that if Pharaoh had free will? In Daniel, it says God sets kings up and takes them down. How does he do that if we have free will? See, God is in charge of all the circumstances of our lives, and he's leading us through everything we need to go through to get to him. Again, nobody will get away with anything. Everybody will reap what they sow. Everybody. And that's why there's a whole eon after the judgment. The judgment comes after the millennium. First of all, there will be the second coming of Christ, which will happen in my lifetime. And I am almost 85. <laughs> I'm almost 85 years old. It's going to happen in my lifetime. Well, that's interesting. So, yes, yes. So it's going to happen within the next 10 years because we have already, the book that I show you there, as I show you in Daniel and Revelation, this is all predicted. What is happening now is the beginning of the predictions of end times in Daniel and Revelation. We have not started the exact time of trouble yet. The time of trouble will be three and a half years, not seven years like the uh, evangelicals say. It's three and a half years. It talks about uh, 1260 days, uh, 42 months. That's three and a half years. And it says that will begin when the abomination of desolation stand, stands in the holy place and the daily is taken away. Now, again, you have to study the Bible a whole lot, which I've been doing for a long time, ever since I had my cancer. And I knew as a, as a doctor, I knew doctors don't know how to get you well from cancer. I have many doctor friends who died of cancer. If doctors knew how to get you well from cancer, they wouldn't die themselves from cancer. Okay. And they do. So just yeah. think about that. When you're going to go to the doctor, you think that doctor can get you well? They don't know how. They have no how. All they know how to is to destroy your immune system with everything they give you. So, yes. God so has a hundred percent guarantee for all disease. He says in Deuteronomy seven eleven to fifteen, if you follow my laws, God's natural health laws, you eat, live, and handle stress God's way, my commandments, all ten of them. And my decrees, learn to forgive everyone who's ever wronged you, learn to give up anger and grudge holding and fear and anxiety and worry. And trust me, I will keep you free from every disease. And when I learned how to do that from the medical literature, it's all in the medical literature, it's all in my books and DVDs on my website at drday.com, D-R-D-A-Y.com. When I learned how to do that and I started getting well, it was a long haul, it was a long struggle because God's trying to build character in us. And so when I found out how to do that, I've been well ever since, it's 28 years. I've never been to a doctor in 28 years and I'm almost 85. I don't take any medications, I'm totally well. You can see my mind still works, okay? Well, and, 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 and for the, the listeners at home, uh, when Dr. Day says she's 85, if you met her on the street, you wouldn't think that she's a day over uh, 55 or 60. So I'm not, uh, you're, you're clearly living uh, what you're preaching, doctor. That's right. And, and the thing is, everybody can be like this. We do not honor God by dying of disease. He's given us the way to get well. If you needed modern medicine to get well, then God is the greatest bigot there ever was because three-fourths of the world does not have access to modern medicine. God has given us the way to get well. 
the proper food, the proper sleep at the proper time of night. The healing hormones are produced between 10 p.m. and 2 o'clock in the morning, but you got to be asleep. Okay? So so you got to know that uh, um, uh, the, the cancerous tumors grow twice as fast if you're breathing indoor air as if you're breathing outdoor air. Um, this is all in the medical literature. I, in one of my books called, I will give you back your health again, which is the promise from God from Jeremiah. Um, I, I give all the references. I've got over 300 medical references showing why God's health plan works. Water, the body is 75% water. The brain is 85% water. We lose 10 glasses of water a day, even if we don't get out of bed. We lose it from breathing. Our breath is moist. We lose it from perspiration, even when it's not hot. We lose it from taking water from ourselves to put into our stomach to make digestive juices. We lose it. We've got to replace it. The the body isn't 75% coffee. It's not 75% See, It's 75% water. We've got to drink water, but water without fluoride. All right. So, so the thing is, God has given us the way to be well. Nobody has to be sick. The reason people are sick is because they want to do what they want to do rather than live and act and eat and handle stress the way God wants. We are here to learn how to be like God. Not, we're not here to help people. That's great. That's great. That's not the primary reason we're here. When we have the heart of God, we will help people. We are here to become like the Lord. And the only way that happens is a lot of Bible study and prayer and obeying what we already know. And people don't want to do that. They think I have the right to do whatever I want to do. Sure, go ahead and be sick. And people say sometimes when I'm telling them how they should be well, you know, what it takes to be well, they say, well, you're telling me I can't eat meat. I say, no, you can eat meat. Go ahead and eat all the dead carcasses of dead animals you want. Go ahead and do it. But if you want to be well, I will tell you how you can change your life. So you want to go, you want to be sick, go ahead, your life, go for it. Okay. I'm not trying to tell you that you have to live like I do, but if you don't want to lose your mind and sit there and drool and have somebody change your diapers, well, then maybe you want to eat and live and handle trust God's way. Makes sense. Makes sense. So you've had some personal dealings with a number of these organizations that we mentioned earlier, NIH, CDC, and so forth, uh, particularly during the AIDS uh, era. I think it's important that we take a look at these in light of the essentially awful advice which they're providing the populace right now. Can you share some of your experiences uh, with those organizations? Well, again, I told you that I had a lot of uh, association with the CDC and in fact, my uh, publishing company, Rockford Press, published a book by Gus Sermos, uh, who became a friend of mine, who actually worked for the CDC. And when he started telling the truth, um, uh, that book is no longer in print, but uh, the, the, um, when he started telling the truth at the CDC, what they did was they put him in an office that had nothing but an empty desk and a chair. And they said, you will sit here until you quit because we're not going to fire you because we don't want to pay unemployment. So you're going to sit here with nothing to do until you quit. So finally he did quit. And they, they gave the whole AIDS hotline over to the homosexuals to, to try to tell you how to, to, how to not get AIDS. They gave the whole AIDS hotline over to homosexuals. Uh, again, the, the Jews have run the CDC for a long, long time. If you look on there, they have a foundation on the CDC on the website. It's right there. Who are the major contributors? 
all of the vaccine and pharmaceutical companies. They, they get hundreds of thousands of dollars from them. So you think they're not compromised? They're just a vaccine production company. That's what they promote. And so they are not there to make you well. The NIH, I was on a committee for the NIH years ago. Uh, there were, it was a small committee. At that time, they were, they were doing, um, uh, they were giving medical experts certain questions to answer. And they would bring them back to Washington, D.C. And I was on one of those committees. And the results were always published in the Journal of the American Medical Association. And, and so uh, the, the, I was on a committee, I was either one or one of two orthopedic surgeons, the others were biomaterials people and, and others that were dealing with um, uh, such as artificial joints and things like that. And so they gave us this one question and we were meeting in a meeting room in a hotel. And there were about 12 of us on this particular committee. And so uh, at the end of, first of all, at lunchtime, they brought in a cart of <clears throat> horrible stuff for sandwiches, you know, processed meats and filthy stuff like that. And so, and mayonnaise and all that. And it was uh, not refrigerated either. It was just there. And it sat there all afternoon. So at the end of the day at five o'clock, we gave them our, we gave them our answer to this question. And, and the, we had a babysitter from the NIH who was there with us all the time. And he said, no, this is unacceptable. Said, what do you mean unacceptable? No, this is not the right answer that we want. Well, it's the answer of the committee. Well, no, you go back and you deliberate some more. They said, well, okay, but we've got to go get some food. No, you're not allowed to leave the building. We were prisoners. We we're prisoners. And so we said, well, we've got to have some food. We'll eat what's there. These were mayonnaise and these cold cuts that were sitting out for five hours. Okay? Uh, so nobody was going to eat anything. So nobody did eat anything. And so we deliberated a few more hours. And we said, this is, our, this is our answer. It's the same answer we gave you at 5 o'clock. And the guy from the NIH said, well, doesn't matter. We're going to rewrite it all anyway. So it was a sham. It was a sham. And so he said, you come the next morning, tomorrow morning at 6 o'clock, we're having a, um, a press conference, and you're going to endorse what we write. Well, I packed my bags and went home. I didn't, come, I didn't show up for the press. They're, they're all corrupt. FDA is corrupt. The NIH is corrupt. They're all corrupt. There is a revolving door between between the drug companies and the FDA. The drug company people come and work for the FDA until they get their drug approved, then they go back to the, to the drug company. Uh, uh, Julie Gerberding, who I worked with at San Francisco General for years, and the first television program I was on was locally in San Francisco uh, about AIDS, and Julie was on the same program. She lied on the program, she lied, she said, that AIDS was not 100% fatal. At that time, it was 100% fatal. People died quite rapidly, and she knew that. And so as we walked out, I walked out with her, and I said, Julie, why would you lie? She said, well, we have to uh, be careful of the uh, homosexual AIDS psyche. I said, not to lie to the general population. What are you doing? Well, they rewarded her for lying. She became the first woman head of the Centers for Disease Control. And now she is the, the president of the vaccine division of Merck. Oh, wow. And, and so this was in the early or mid-80s that this took place? Yes. And, and so we could only imagine that the corruption has only become worse and more entrenched since then. 
totally corrupt. All of it's totally corrupt. No. It's totally corrupt. That's why, you know, there are people now who are speaking out against the COVID shot. I'm not even going to call it a vaccine because it doesn't even come under the medical category of a vaccine. So they're speaking out about it. And I applaud them for doing that. However, they don't know anything else. And even one of them will say, you say, well, are you an anti-vaxxer? Oh, no, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. It's just this one that's bad. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the rest of them are good. Yeah. That no, drives me nuts. Really yeah, yeah. Us for, for, you know, the last hundred years with these things. And so, so they know a little bit, but they don't know. They don't have the depth. First of all, they were never in academic medicine, which I was. When I was speaking out about the AIDS epidemic, they were always trying to shut me up, even at the university, they're trying to shut me up. And, and then shortly after that, this was in the late 80s, early 1990s. And then I left the university to get moved to Southern California. I got married again. And, um, uh, during that time, after that, they formed in the orthopedic, American Academy of Orthopedics, they formed a leadership organization. Thought, what's that all about? Well, it was to control anybody who was allowed to speak out had to be a member of that leadership organization. And they were told what they could say and what they could not. And I believe it was probably because I spoke out publicly for this and they were going to make sure that never happened again. <laughs> Interesting. I got all sorts of death threats during that time. My life was threatened many times by the government, by the U.S. government. They told me, they came to me directly a human being and said, you're getting too close. Remember what we did to Karen Silkwood and Karen Silkwood was the one who was going to testify at Congress about the, um, the, the, uh, uh, nuclear plants where the employees were getting, uh, not having enough safety. And she was run off the road, went down an embankment and all of, and she was killed and all of her papers were taken. They came to me when I was in Atlanta at a CDC meeting, there was a guy that was there who was from the government. He'd been there in a number of meetings. I knew him casually. He was an acquaintance. He's the one who told me that. He took me downtown. He said, let's have lunch. Well, we never had lunch. He took me down to a, a downtown restaurant in Atlanta. And I'm not from Atlanta, so I didn't know these places. And we went into a very large restaurant, which was very noisy. And we went right into the middle where the tables all were without the maitre d' or anything like that. We were just standing there. I said, what are we doing? He said, I wanted to come to, to a place where I knew there were no listening devices. And that's when he told me that. Mm. Okay. And, and not only that, I had so many threats to my life when I was at San Francisco General that the administrator of the hospital um, had armed guards in the operating room with me on, on several occasions. They, they were in greens, you know, the, the, the scrubs, surgical scrubs with weapons. Uh, and then, of course, I had uh, AIDS contaminated needles and syringes sent to me through the mail. They said they hoped that I would get stuck. And if I didn't, they would track me all over the world when I was asked to speak in other places and inject me with AIDS blood in an elevator. And where I'm sitting right now in my house, in my office in my house, after I moved down here in 1990, for at least five or six years, every week, there would be a black unmarked helicopter hanging over my house, 10 feet above my house, sh uh, shaking my house so violently that one time they shattered a floor to ceiling sliding glass door. Wow. 
So they then they finally gave up. I would just go out on the porch and wave at the pilots. I could see the picture here. And uh, I guess they figured they couldn't intimidate me. I don't know why they didn't kill me. Maybe God's protecting me. He's not going to let every truth teller be killed. God's not going to let every truth teller be killed. So so anyway, uh, I mean, I have had all sorts of threats to my life. They're uncountable. Well, and you're still here. So clearly someone's protecting you. And I'm glad for that. We we need more more brave souls like yourself uh, on the front lines of spreading this uh, the truth, as opposed to just more and more disinformation and and this propaganda that's uh, so ubiquitous in our present day society. Well, again, that's why you know I've been around a long time. Uh, there aren't a whole lot of people whose minds are still working well that were around during World War II. So I I know how America used to be. I know the span of things, and I'm also a big reader. People don't read anymore. I have always been a big reader since I was a tiny child. My father was a big reader. I never saw my father uh, when he came to pick me up at school or anyplace else without a book. He always was reading a book. And he had a library that was so big that it was on the Dewey Decimal System in our house. Oh, wow. Uh, and, and when he died in, in uh, 1976... Uh, there were two universities vying for his library. And right in the room I'm sitting in a couple of years ago, just for the fun of it, I made a cursory count of the books on my bookshelves. And I have 1,600 books right in this room, all of which I have read. So, so the thing is that people don't want to read. But reading is the way you find out about what's going on. Uh, and again, they can, on the internet, they can just push a button. One reason I write books is they're going to have a lot harder time burning all of my books because they're all over the world. They've been bought in Russia and the United Arab Emirates and Kuwait and, and Iceland and, and Africa and South America and, and all over the U.S. They're going to have a harder time finding all my books to burn them. Otherwise, on like this, they could just push a button. We're gone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and Dad, if you're listening, listen to Dr. Day. As I keep telling you, you got to do a bit more reading and less listening. <laughs> less, God that's, I mean, and, yeah. and, and God has brought all sorts of people across mm. my path during this last 30 years. And I was, I was speaking at many Patriot conferences early on in the early 1990s. And I met others who, uh, who were uh, patriots in, in other areas that they taught me about and I taught them about what was going on in medicine. And so we had a lot of exchange of information. And then, of course, uh, some of my best friends were Ernst and Ingrid Zundel for 30 years. So I learned a great deal from them. So I, God has brought many of those people across my path where I learned John Coleman, who was a former British MI6 agent, uh, who, who knows the total corruption in the UK government. Johnson, by the way, Boris Johnson, of course, is a Jew as well. Boris yes, Johnson, yes. Angela Merkel and, you know, all of On it goes. So um, I'm pretty sure that you're familiar with that famous 1984 CBS interview featuring uh, the KGB defector Yuri Bezmenov uh, and his stark warning for the West. Uh, in in that interview, he clearly communicates four stages of a Marxist communist takeover, the demoralization, destabilization, crisis, and then followed by normalization. Uh, in your opinion, where do we find ourselves? Where which are the... The last one. See, okay. again, I give you, uh, the, nine of the 10 planks of the Communist Manifesto have been ensconced in the American government, the U.S. government, for over 40 years. Nine of the 10 planks. Uh, the... Uh, 
uh, United States government control over education, uh, government control over uh, commerce, government control over everything. That these are right on in my book. I've got the 10 planks of the Communist Manifesto. The only one that hasn't been fully instituted yet is abolition of private property. Now, AOC, you know, uh, Ocasio-Cortez, who's also Jewish, uh, she is now going to put forth legislation where we could no longer have uh, single family homes. Uh, Gavin Newsom, who's also of the same ethnicity, who is the governor of California, has also said that he's going to make put a moratorium on the building of new single family dwellings. This is communism. It is communism that people say, oh, we're losing our freedoms. You know, we're going towards a, uh, a communist kind of government. They closed the world down in one week. We've already got it. We are already there. Now, how, where are we biblically? There's the seven seals. The seals are the seals on scrolls, not animals. Seven seals, Revelation 6. Seven trumpets. Revelation 8 to 10, and then there's the seven plagues, which are at the very end, which are Revelation 16. Well, in Revelation 6, the seven seals, it says a fourth of the population of the earth will be killed. A fourth. The seven trumpets, it just gets bigger. It's all the same thing. It just gets bigger. A third of the earth will be destroyed. The population of the earth will be destroyed. Well, they've given out enough of these vaccines that they call them, that we are at the trumpets. We are at the trumpets. The last thing is the plagues where just about everybody in the earth will be killed. All right. So we are there. We are there. It's a, we have a communist government. UK is a, in fact, you know, uh, the, the Canada is is run by the UK. It's not independent. It's run by the UK. The UK is not run by Boris Johnson. It's run by the Rothschilds from the city. So the, the, the UK, which used to be called Great Britain, folks, it used to be called Great Britain. Why did they change it to the United Kingdom? Because they have, they have uh, uh, separated the earth, the continents of the earth, into ten kingdoms. And these are actually in the Bible, in Revelation, ten kingdoms. And I have got in the book, I've got their map that they drew, their map, calling it ten kingdoms. Because when they're all under the control of the Rothschilds, it will be the United Kingdom, the one world government. That's why they changed the name to United Kingdom. I mean, no, nobody's got, nobody thinks, nobody sees this. So they became, uh, the UK, Britain became communist in the 1600s when John Dee and uh, Queen Elizabeth I uh, decided to take over the world. And that was the conglomeration that occurred then. That's why Queen Elizabeth II went to the 2012 Olympics with Daniel Craig, who played James Bond because John D signed his name, John D 007. He was a Jew and he was that, the, the character on which James Bond 007 is, um, is given. So th that's why, so it was James Bond 007, John D who infiltrated Canada and, and was gonna take over the world and take over the monarchy as well. 
and that was Queen Elizabeth one. Now we got Queen Elizabeth two going to 2012 Olympics with the new 007 Daniel Craig. I mean, this is all revelation of the method in your face, and and then they laugh at people and say they're so stupid. They yeah, don't they're not it. figuring it out. It's all yeah. on the back of our dollar bill, the U.S. one dollar bill. It's all on the back. It's an uncapped pyramid. It says. Uh, annuit sepsis novo ordo seclorum, announcing the birth of the one world government. It's on the back of the dollar bill. Everybody carries it around their wallet. They say, I used to say when I, you know, 30 years ago, I'd say it's a coming one world government, a new world order. Ah, oh, come on. Get out your dollar bill. They're announcing it to you. You know, they just don't get it. Yeah. So I think it's important to share with the listeners Karl Marx's definition of peace because it's rather stark and, and uh, shocking. He says, when, there's, when there is no opposition to us, the communist Jews, that is peace. When there's no opposition to us, that is the jackboot of communism. The reason they're starting with Australia, first of all, it's white country. They hate white people. Because as, as I show in the book, the white, uh, the white race has been responsible for almost all of the inventions. Nikola Tesla, who you never hear about, you never hear about him. He had 400 patents in the U.S. Patent Office. He developed electricity and all that. And, uh, and so there were all sorts of white Christian, mainly Christian, whether they claimed to be Christian, they were from Christian heritage, that made all the inventions. So then the Jews had to have their one guy, their one guy, Albert Einstein. Okay, Albert Einstein. He's a big, you know, E equals MC squared. Well, Nikola Tesla said he's, he's a stupid, foolish oaf. He said E equals MC squared is not the right definition for nuclear fission. By the way, uh, as I point out in the book, uh, and a lot of people weren't even alive to know this, but I was alive when they, when they bombed Hiroshima and Nagasaki with supposed atomic bomb. And you see the great big plume, the atomic plume. But it turns out that that see if you when you look at chernobyl and you look at fukushima they're uninhabitable uninhabitable areas because the half-life of plutonium and some of these other nuclear elements are, are thousands of years so they're uninhabitable and yet hiroshima and nagasaki were rebuilt in two years hmm. they did not drop an atomic bomb it was just a regular fireball. But this is another booga booga boo, scare you, scare you, scare you. Because when people are frightened, they don't think. When they are frightened, they don't think. They just react and they believe it and they react. So they're always talking about nuclear weapons, nuclear weapons. It turns out they can make nuclear energy slowly, but not rapidly. And so Chernobyl and Fukushima were making nuclear energy slowly and they had a meltdown and then they, they're uninhabitable areas. You can't do it fast. And so there are no nuclear weapons. That's interesting. Okay. And so I show that all in the book. I show that. And so how could they have rebuilt Nagasaki and Hiroshima in two years and people weren't dying all over the place from from uh, radiation, you see, they're thriving cities. That is interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. So I, th I think it's important at this point to look under the mask of communism to expose it for what it really is. Could you do that for us? 
look around. Just look around at what's happening. This is communism. It's lies. It's killing. It's everything bad. It is what is what communism is actually is the plan of salvation without God. The plan of salvation with God is that everybody has what they need and everybody works for what they need and nobody has an excess of what they need. Well, the communism says, well, that's what they are. Everybody has what they need and everybody works the amount for what they need, except some are more equal than others. Okay, it's like the animal farm. Again, if anybody reads um, Animal Farm was, uh, you know, that, that, that some are more equal with others. And so we have everything and you people have nothing. That's what communism ends up. It actually ends, ends up as Bolshevism. Communism is an idea which never works because it always ends up at Bolshevism, which means there are a few people who have everything and the rest have nothing. And that's what communism always becomes. But see, that's why God is the only one who can run our world and run our life, because he's the only perfect one who makes sure that there is equality. Because uh, human beings are evil creatures, basically. And I know people love to say, well, you know, basically people are good. No, they're not. The Bible says there are none seek God. There are none that seek God. There are none righteous. No, not one. Without any of God. The, even the the Christian nation part of it in us, we would be just barbarians doing what they're doing. That's what it looks like when you have no God. They worship Satan. And so, you see, there will be not only a one-world government politically, but there will be a one-world religion. The Spangler said, he was involved with the United Nations, he said, nobody will be allowed to enter the next era, which is without pledging their allegiance to Lucifer is Satan. Now, again, even the word Lucifer does not appear in the Bible. It's been written in. Lucifer, <laughs> that's in my book, Who Ruth, but it's not in there. They try to put it in there to give it some credibility. But loose, see, loose means light. So Satan does not have a, a single original idea. Jesus said he's the light of the world. So he said, oh, okay, I'll be called Lucifer. All right. He doesn't have any original ideas. He only copies uh, and makes a very bad copy of what God does. So, but they, the, the worship of Lucifer, which is Satan, is already the doctrine of the Christian churches. Okay. Now, as I told you, they, they worship a God that is just like Moloch and Satan of the Old Testament who requires human burning sacrifices. That is, they, they, they believe that you go to heaven when you die. Well, that's right out of the mouth of Satan. In Genesis 3, in Genesis 2, God already told Adam, don't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil or you will begin dying. Now, they, they changed it, made you, the day you eat of it, you will die. Well, they didn't die that day. It says in the original, you will begin dying. They lost their their cover of light, they became mortal and they started dying. They didn't culminate in their death for 900 more years, but they began dying as soon as they sinned. Well, then before, before they ate of the tree, uh, Satan comes to Eve and he says, 
did God say that uh, if you eat of the tree, you shall die? And, and Eve said, yes. And he says, you shall not surely die. Okay. He says, you don't die. You just change form and your spirit wafts off to heaven. Your body goes into the grave, but you're still alive and you're still conscious and you're wafting around heaven. Well, the word spirit doesn't appear in the Bible either. It's mm -hmm. always the word breath. It's the word pneuma, P-N-E-U-M-A, like pneumonia, having to do with the lungs and the breath. It's always breath or wind. It is never spirit. We don't become a spirit and waft off to heaven. When we are dead, that it says the body returns to the soil and the breath returns to God who made it. Well, they don't have the breath going up there either. It just means what happens to the light when you turn off a lamp? It doesn't go anywhere. It just ceases to exist. When we no longer have breath, we're dead. Ecclesiastes 9.5 says the living know that they shall die. The dead don't know anything. You they're are dead. dead. <laughs> Right, right. So, to, to, before we go on, um, and we touched on it briefly prior to, but I think we need to examine the historical origin of, of the Jews and whether this is actually, there are any racial Jews by hereditary ethnicity, or is this simply now by social and religious constructs? Okay, let me just go back to the beginning. The beginning of Christianity, the first religion ever in the world, is in Genesis 3.15 in the Garden of Eden. As soon as Adam and Eve sinned, God promised them a savior. He said to Satan, the serpent, I will put enmity, uh, that's animosity, between you and the woman, Eve, between your seed and her seed. Now, when he talks about seed, he's not talking about, it doesn't have to be actual physical lineage offspring. It's followers of. So God, the followers of Satan are those who worship him and do his bidding whoever they are, whatever they are. Eve, her offspring turned out to be through Seth, the third born of Eve, which was Christ and his followers. And in, so there's the beginning, I will put enmity between your seed and her seed, and her seed, it shall bruise your head, Satan, and you shall bruise the heel of her seed. Satan bruised the heel of Christ, by orchestrating his death through the Pharisees, Satan bruised the head of Satan, uh, uh, Jesus bruised the head of Satan by rising from the dead and saving the world. That is the beginning of Christianity. That is the promise of a savior. Genesis 3.15, the first religion ever on earth. Christianity did not come out of Judaism. There were, again, the word Jew is not in, in the Bible. There were no Jews. The Israelites were not Jews. What happened was this. When the Israelites were taken captive to Babylon, they learned the Babylonian ways, and then they came back to rebuild Palestine. And the Pharisees came back with their traditions, which were the traditions of Babylon. Jesus rebuked them strongly, and he said, by your traditions, you make the word of God of no effect. And that's one reason they had him killed, all right? When those traditions of the Pharisees, now the Pharisees were not Jews, they were Israelites. Their worship was supposedly of the true God, but they were in clearly in apostasy. They had turned back to Babylonian paganism. When the Pharisees wrote those traditions down in 300 AD, 300 years after Christ, 
they became the Jewish Babylonian Talmud, the holiest book of Judaism. That was the beginning of Judaism, which was 300 years after Christ. Jesus was not a Jew. It didn't say on his cross, the king of the Jews. It said the king of the Judeans, who were the worshipers of the true God. All right. So the, the main group of Jews today are Ashkenazi Jews from Kazaria. Kazaria was an area which is now occupied by the nation of Georgia and Western Russia, Ukraine area, and that was Kazaria. And they adopted the culture and religion of Judaism. They were Mongol barbarian Turks. They're Gentiles, actually. They're not Jews. Anyway, they don't have that ethnicity. And so they are Khazars. They have no relationship to the Israelites of the Old Testament. They have no right to the uh, the land of Palestine. And then what about this concept that uh, the Jews are God's chosen people? Uh, well, can you provide evidence that that's not the case? Well, of course, it says, first of all, the word Jew is not in the Bible. So uh, the uh, the they were Judeans. They were worshipers of the true God. In, um, in Galatians 3, uh, I think it's 19 and 26. It's either 316 and 26 or 319 and 26. It says that Abraham's uh, offspring, that the seed of Abraham is seed, and it says not seeds, but one seed as in Christ. So Abraham, who was a Hebrew, crossed over to worshiping the true God in his lineage came Christ. That's in Galatians 3.16. His seed is Christ. And in Galatians 3.29, it says, if you are Christ, then you are heirs of Abraham and heirs to the promise. So it is the Christians, the true Christians, not the churchians, not the people who just go to church and hear a sermon for 20 minutes a week and they think they're Christians. Those who really study the Bible. See, for the first 4,000 years of human history, nobody went to church. No, Abraham didn't go to church. Isaac didn't go to church. Jacob didn't, Joshua didn't go to church. Moses didn't go to church. Elijah didn't go. Nobody went to church. The church was formed by Satan in when Jesus was on earth, God's presence was in the temple. In the temple. Jesus called it my father's house. The temple. Nobody was allowed inside the temple except the priests. Nobody went to church. They brought their sacrifices to the temple court. They didn't go to church. Okay? Uh, even the sanctuary in the wilderness was just a little tiny place. They didn't go inside. Only the priests went inside. They worshiped God directly. They worship God directly, one-on-one. -on -one. Christianity is not a religion. It's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ with no one in between. So that nobody went to church for the first 4,000 years. So Jesus is on earth. He calls the temple my father's house. Nobody was allowed inside the temple except the priest. But across town, they were setting up a counterfeit religion in what's called the places of assembly, which is the word for synagogue. And it was set up by the Pharisees who orchestrated the death of Jesus Christ. It was a counterfeit religion where you came in to a building and you sat down and you heard a sermon by the ones who hated Christ. That is the beginning of the organized church and all churches are built on that model. Hmm. So do the Jews then own and run the Catholic church? 
not only on the, the present Pope is a Jew, the last two Popes have been Jews. The Jesuit organization is totally Jewish. It was started by Ignatius Loyola, who was a Jew. And it is the black Pope. Now he's not black in color, but if the black Pope is the head of the Jesuits. He actually runs the Catholic church from behind. He's a Jew. The Jews own the Catholic church, but now the Jews own all the Protestant churches too. They have infiltrated them all, changed the doctrines, and everybody worships Lucifer. Everybody worships Satan. They worship a God who's going to kill his enemies. Jesus said, love your enemies. Do good to those. But within, how come that doesn't work for God? Why is it going to torture him in hell? You know, he said, love your enemies, but I don't have to do that. No. And then, then he has given everybody free will. They say all the churches believe everybody has free will. Then God can't save me unless I let him. That means I am stronger than God. I have become my own God. They all worship on Sunday. Sunday is the pagan day of worship of the sun God. That is environmentalism. That's exactly what they want. It's environmentalism. Easter has nothing. Jesus wasn't resurrected on Sunday. The words first day of the week never appear in the Bible either. They've been written in. They've been written in by the translators. It's always Sabbath. That was Saturday. Jesus was actually resurrected on Friday night at the beginning of the Sabbath. In, in uh, Genesis 2, 1 to 3, God made Saturday holy. And he gave it to the parents of the human race. Adam and Eve were not Jewish. The Jews have absconded with that. They say, oh, well, that's Jewish. No, it's not. The Sabbath is Christian. Sunday is pagan. Easter, why are there, why are there uh, um, uh, bunnies and eggs on Easter? Because Easter, Easter is the Ishtar, which is the pagan goddess of fertility. It has nothing to do with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was not resurrected on Sunday. If we go into the three days and three nights, when the Pharisees came to Jesus and they said, uh, give us a sign that you're a Messiah. Jesus said, I'll give you one sign and one sign only, the sign of Jonah. Why did he give the sign of Jonah? Why did he give the sign of Jonah? He said, as Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. Said it said twice. So if Jesus was crucified on Friday, which he was, if he was resurrected on Sunday morning, where are the three nights? There's Friday and Saturday, and you can't even get a part of another one. That's because the answer is this, and this is all in my book, Who We Wrote the Bible. Um, he gave the sign of Jonah because when Jonah was in the belly of the whale, was he dead or alive? He was alive. He wasn't dead. He was surrounded by the whale, unable to escape. Jesus didn't use the word grave when he said heart of the earth. He used the word heart of the earth. He knew the word grave. He was saying when he ever talked about his crucifixion and resurrection, he always started with his betrayal. Son of man will be betrayed, handed over, persecuted, crucified, and rise the third day from his betrayal, which occurred on Tuesday night. And we can, and it's all in my book, Who Wrote the Bible. You can show that Jesus said on that day, it's two days until the Passover. He kept the Passover on Thursday night because he was being crucified on Friday. So that was Tuesday. And that was the day that Mary Magdalene poured the ointment on Jesus' feet. And Judas said, because he carried the bag that was that had the money that was given to the poor. And the Bible says he was stealing from it. So this should have been sold and given to the poor. Jesus rebuked him. It was that night he went out and got the 30 pieces of silver. That's when Jesus was first betrayed. He handed him over on Thursday night. 
It was betrayed on Tuesday night. So we've got Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, three nights, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, three days. It was when he was alive like Jonah, but his doom was set. He was unable to escape. Then he was crucified. But it didn't say he'd be dead for three days. He was put in the tomb before sundown. But the women came on Sabbath morning, not the first day of the week. Sabbath morning, and he was already gone. Because as soon as the beginning of the day he made holy came on Friday night at sundown, he was out of the tomb. How long does he have to be dead? He was only dead a few hours. The Bible says his body would not see decay. If he'd be in there for three days, his body would have been decaying. Right, right. Um, and we chatted about this briefly before we got on air today. Uh, and this is the question in terms of Klaus Schwab and his World Economic Forum. Um, and uh, so just, just asking the question again, I mean, I don't see his reference in the book. Uh, and then secondly, um, you know, your list of leaders on page 108 of your book, um, are you aware that, you know, almost every single one of them are graduates of the Young Global Leaders Program? Um, and and I'll let you live your, your explanation there. You know, almost every one of the Jews. Uh, but, but Klaus Schwab is a Rothschild. I think his mother is Rothschild. And um, uh, when I wrote the book, which was over the year that ended, when the book came out in February and I wrote the book, Klaus Schwab was really not much on the scene at that time. And so uh, he came on the scene more recently, but he's a Rothschild. He's just another one of their agents, just like George Soros, just like the Rockefellers, just like uh, Bill Gates. They're all Jews and they're all agents of the Rockefeller. Klaus Schwab, I mean, looks like an alien. He looks like he was uh, made a hybrid in the underground tunnels or something. I don't know how that. I have a picture of him when he was younger. He looked kind of like a normal person. But, you know, when you worship Satan for that long, uh, your looks actually change. Uh, that your, your looks actually change when you are a worshiper of Satan. And in the book, I also show how, um, you know, they shapeshift. And I've got pictures of George Bush with his uh uh, his pupils as slits rather than round, uh, like a, a vicious serpent, and even Hollywood celebrities like that, and various people like that, they shapeshift because they become possessed, because they worship Satan. And so with the whole Christian church believing that our will is stronger than God's will, we have become our own God, God's going to burn people up, he requires human burning sacrifices, they worship on a pagan day, they already worship Lucifer. They don't even know it. The one world religion is already here. For, for a number of years, I thought, how are they going to change all these Christians to worship Lucifer? And then suddenly, a few weeks ago, I realized they already do. They just don't know. They already do. And it's interesting, that observation of that decay of the people. Uh, and I've seen our uh, Christina Freeland, who's, a, again, another young global leader graduate, who was just recently the prime minister, uh, deputy prime minister and finance minister. Uh, and with a Russian literature degree, she clearly has no business being either one of those positions. Uh, and from the time of her beginnings in this administration, which I guess dates back to 2016 now, uh, she was a fairly attractive woman at that point. And now she looks gray and ashen. Uh, you know, you can clearly tell that she has, you know, she has literally sold her soul to the devil. And you can, you can see the physical manifestations of that. Same way the woman who's mayor of Chicago, I have a picture of her, and even, even Ginsburg, who was 
a U.S. Supreme Court. I've got pictures of her in the book. When she was young and getting married, she looked like a normal human being. Uh, at the end of her life, she looked like Satan. Yeah, I mean, yeah. This is what happens to people when they worship Satan. Their actual, their physical uh, appearance changes. Yeah, it's very apparent. Uh, and you do examine the Agenda 21 in your book, which clearly, you know, nearly lockstep, every point has been uh, achieved, uh, which obviously is a prelude to Agenda 2030, which is, you know, again, one of Klaus Schwab's uh, fantasies. Uh, what are the real goals of this pro of these programs? Oh, the elimination of all Gentiles, particularly Christians from the face of the earth. The only Gentiles that, again, it says that on the Georgia Guidestones in the first First chapter of my book, I've got 14 roadmaps, 13 of them they have written themselves saying they want to kill us all. They want to get rid of Christianity. They want to get rid of all Gentiles except those that they have as slaves will be totally mind controlled. They'll have chips in them. They'll be transhumans and uh, easily controlled. And they will reduce the population of the world from now about 8 billion down to 500 million. And then the Jews will have 10,000 years of peace. They will rule the world. It will just be Jews except for the slaves that they have. Except what the Bible says, that when they get this one, they're going to do terrible carnage on the earth. Jesus said there will be a time of trouble worse than any has been or any ever will be on the earth. This is the time of the end. And uh, Jesus is coming soon. As I said, the, the, the three years of the time, three and a half years of the time of trouble have not started yet because I, I didn't finish this thought. It says, when the abomination of desolation stands in the holy place, and one in Revelation, then another place in Daniel, it says, uh, does away with the daily. The daily sacrifice was the true religion at that time. The daily sacrifice was the true religion. So I believe when the abomination, when the Jewish Illuminati claim to be God and eliminate the Bible and make it uh, against the law to have a Bible or to talk about the Bible. That will be replacing, the abomination of desolation will be replacing the daily or stand in the holy place. So when they, they ban the Bible, that will probably be, be the beginning of the three and a half year time of trouble. After the time of trouble, there will be a period of another 30 days and another 45 days before Jesus comes. So the Bible says that this new world order, once they have all these people killed and have slaughtered most of the earth, they will rule not for 10,000 years, but for 15 days. Mm -hmm. uh, and obviously, so th this, this, sorry, say that again reap eventually reap after the judgment they will reap all that they have sown all yes until they will have to experience that same torture and death themselves so to begin this next seg uh, segment here i'd like to share a quote from joseph stalin which is that first you get rid of the guns and then you slaughter the people May we examine the concept of gun control and the utterly false narrative that binding firearms in some ways leads to a safer society well, the thing is that <clears throat> Jesus said, thou shalt not kill. So if you're a true Christian, you're not going to kill somebody else just to save your own life. You're going to put your safety in the hands of the Lord. And that's why people think that's pretty stupid. But since God knows everything that's going to happen, I would rather have him providing my safety than me. 
Uh, but even if I have to die for Christ, he died for me. I'm not going to disobey the commandments because we all have to learn. If we don't learn now, we'll be back after the judgment to learn how to do it then. So you might as well learn, learn it now. So, um, uh, and now I've forgotten your question because I got off. <laughs> That's okay. So uh, I would, would I be correct in assuming that the real motive behind gun control is more an effective castration of any real form of resistance to the communist agenda and the ultimate takeover? Yeah, the reason they're going a little more slowly in the United States than they are in Australia is because Australia doesn't have guns. Uh, Americans have the largest standing army in the world, and I'm not talking about the military. I'm talking about the 400 million guns that Americans have. And so they're going, they're stepping a little lightly now, but they're going to have some catastrophic thing, which will be a false flag uh, that, that then they'll have to take away all the guns. And then people will be happy they're taking away the guns. You know, that's what all of these false flag operations were, you know, the, the killing of people on the street and all that. Uh, this is what it's all about to get people to beg the government to take away the guns. And then when they do that, then communism will come out of the closet and take over completely. But that's why they're going a little more slowly in America than even Canada and the UK and certainly Australia and New Zealand because we have guns. Yes, yes, yes. And do we find ourselves now then the in the exact situation that the founding fathers expressly created the Second Amendment for? Yes, but again, when they uh, when they put the Second Amendment in there, that's that's great, except it's anti-God, because Jesus said, "Thou shalt not kill." Ten Commandments say, "Thou shalt not kill." People say, "Well, you know, the Constitution says we can have guns," and I. I uphold everybody's right to have a gun because the Constitution says that. But the one I worship is higher than the Constitution, and that's God. And he says, thou shalt not kill. People say, well, that doesn't mean self-defense. Well, if the thing is, they say, it says, the Ten Commandments say, thou shalt not murder. Well, the difference between killing and murder is with murder, you have to have forethought. You have to have premeditation. What is self-defense? You have a gun. What are you going to do with it? That's premeditation. Sure. I guess the, the it's even more as a deter uh, a uh, deterrent because of course if uh, you know the state of Texas for instance has eight million registered hunters and there's probably you know in the neighborhood of fifty to hundred million guns that those people own and so simply by simply by the government knowing that fact is a deterrent for them to take action. So. They're afraid. And you say, well, that's a good thing. But again, the whole point is to learn to trust God. That's what this is all about. It is not taking, we want to take America back and still have a communist government underneath the surface. That's what we've had for almost 100 years. So is that what we're going to do? We're going to take our country back to what? To, to a mess that it was. So this is the final thing, and this is all going to the culmination. This is the end of the 6,000 years of human history, starting in the Garden of Eden. And this is the great controversy between good and evil, between Christ and Satan. That's what it's all about. And, you know, the, the, the government is, is just a big pedophile organization. That, they have been for a long time. Is that what you want to go back to? Yeah, no. Yeah. God's going to come and clean everything up. And then would I be correct in stating that vaccines have caused far more injuries and deaths than firearms in North America? Oh, of course. Oh, of course. Yes. Firearms have, have caused very few deaths. 
it's mostly blacks killing blacks. You know, it's, white people generally don't kill people with firearms. There are a few who have, but it is a blacks killing blacks. And and again, that is that that even doesn't even come close to to. It's not just vaccines. Drugs kill people. Drugs don't cure disease. There's no disease ever been caused by a deficiency of a drug. Oh my, I have cancer because I haven't had enough chemotherapy in my life. I have high blood pressure because I haven't been taking, uh, you know, diuretics. No, the disease we give to ourselves by the way we live, think, act, eat, and handle stress. Drugs only treat symptoms, never the underlying cause of the disease. And they have all sorts of side effects. So they make you worse in the long run while you feel better for a while and your numbers look better while your disease continues to progress because you've never changed the causes. Yes, yes. And then has any vaccine ever been safe or effective? And can we examine this? Uh, and, and, and so in this, you know, um, polio is always held up as this great victory of vaccines, which clearly it wasn't. No, clearly it wasn't. And in, in the book, I show that it was the when the the real problem with childhood diseases came with the industrial revolution when children were working in the mines and other places in sweatshops from the age of four uh, and on up and there were no child labor laws and people were moving from the country to get jobs into the city whole families were living under staircases in windowless rooms and things like that and so there and there were there was no sanitation they were throwing their waste into the street when they had child when they started having child labor laws sanitation laws and housing laws that's when the uh the incidence of childhood diseases went down long before vaccines yes and so what role do these vaccines play in the global takeover to kill people simply as a depopulation exercise down to dumb them down you know there are a lot of people who have uh autism sudden infant death syndrome with autism they're going to see these these people with autism now are very expensive to take care of the government gives them subsidies to take care of them after a while they're going to say we're not going to do this anymore and they'll bring around the euthanasia truck right right so in the, in the final segment of this discussion here, I wanted to uh, look at the COVID-19 and, the, and the, the Great Reset, as uh, Klaus Schwab has, has now published a book on the subject. Um, and of course, the COVID-19 Wuhan flu scandemic has paralyzed our world, instilled baseless fear in so many, and has accelerated this technocratic communist takeover of the world. My first question to you on this subject is whether you believe this situation is part of the grand plan for control and dominance. Well, of course, but I'm going to argue with what you first said about the COVID-19 Wuhan. Okay, the, the COVID-19 doesn't exist. And the only reason that Wuhan is important is because they made the kill shots in, in Chinese labs. Who turned China communist? The Rothschilds. Who turned Russia communist? The Rothschilds. So they could do those things undercover in another country. And so people would talk about Wuhan, 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 China, 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 just like they do Nazi, Nazi, Nazi. They'd all be talking about Rothschild, Rothschild, Rothschild. See, they turned China communist. It's the Rothschilds that controlled China. And so everybody's blaming it on the Chinese. It's not the Chinese. It's the Rothschilds and their agents and the George Soros and the Rockefellers and, the, and the, the Trump is a Jew. He's part of it. He's controlled opposition. It's all part of it. And so this is the plan. Of course, his, his son-in-law, 
Jared Kushner. Jared Kushner is a Lubavitcher, which are the most vicious, and that's the Noahide laws that were passed. And I don't know you know this, you probably do, since you read the book. Uh, my uh, late husband uh, was a, a, long, a former long-term U.S. congressman. He was at, on the House floor the day the Noahide laws were passed, which says the government, U.S. government can legally kill Christians. Now, he didn't vote for it because they sent them all home and they said there'll be no more voting today. And four of them stayed behind and passed it under <laughs> radar and then said it was passed by unanimous consent. Yeah, of four. Okay, so that's so the government can kill Christians, and this was all under the guise of a birthday celebration for Rabbi Schneerson, who's a Lubavitcher, which is the most violent um, uh, sect of Judaism, the one that wants us all dead, dead, dead. Interesting. Uh, at this point, I'd like to have your firsthand experience during the height of the AIDS epidemic in relation to masking, quarantining, social distancing, contract tracing, mass testing, mandatory experimental drug administration. Were any of these effective in stopping the spread of the AIDS virus? Do it. Nobody wore masks. They didn't do any. They did a little bit of contact tracing, but they'd never tell you anything about it. But but the contact tracing was done for for all um, uh sexually transmitted diseases except AIDS. They didn't do any of that for that. You know, AIDS was a special category. Uh, they wouldn't even allow you to test for it. I got in real trouble. I said, you know, um, you had to have an informed consent to test for AIDS. You didn't have to have an informed consent to test for any other disease in the world except AIDS because the government was promoting homosexuality because homosexuality is part of the government's plan for um, um, elimination of the population because homosexuals don't have children. Uh, they want to, pr to promote any form of debauchery and degenerate uh, activity they want. And uh, I took care of thousands of homosexuals. I know what they do. They kill themselves. The homosexual, male homosexual lifestyle is so self-destructive that a male homosexual has a 30 year shorter life expectancy than a heterosexual. 30 years. You know what they do. It is not what they say. Oh, we're just like everybody else. No, it's not. No, they're not. And this is an addiction, and it is a perverse, perverted, degenerate addiction. Now, they're not born with it. They're, nobody's born a homosexual. It is learned behavior. It is either from an absent father in the household or a father who is there but has nothing to do with the child during the ages up till four years old or so. They just leave that to the mother. They're not being necessarily contrary, but they don't have much to do with the child. Or if a young boy has been sexually molested by either an older boy or a man, those are the two causes of homosexuality. And it can be reversed if the person wants to do it. But now they have in America, they made that against the law to help a person come out of homosexuality. So they want perversion and degeneration and lowered life expectancy and having no children and all of that. That's what it's all about. And in the January 10, 1963 congressional record, current communist goals, this is 1963, we're talking about 60 years ago, it said promote homosexuality as normal, healthy, alternate lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. And of course now we have parades and um, 
you know, the, the transgender and, and all the rest of it, it's, it's just accelerated from there at a, at a radical pace. And of course, you know, on, on this subject of, of testing, you know, now we have these ludicrous mandates where in, or, in order to board a plane, you need to have a, a negative uh, PCR test, which of course tests for nothing. Yet we can allow people with AIDS or TB or Hep C or God knows what other communicable disease onto that plane, uh, and nobody seems to bat an eye. I mean, it's it's we've entered a, a immigrants coming across the border. They get all special privileges. They can get on a plane without anything. And of course, the reason the border is open, they go, oh, close the border. Oh, look what's happening to the border. Look what's happening to the border. The border is open because they are combining the U.S., Canada, and Mexico into the North American Union, which is one of the kingdoms of the New World Order. That's why the southern border is open. And all of these, again, these newbies who are speaking out about, you know, the, the vaccines and all, and I applaud them that they're saying, don't get this COVID vaccine because it's bad. I applaud them, but they don't get the rest of it. They haven't been around long enough to know the rest of it. As I said, some say, oh, well, vaccines are good, but they don't know that even most of them are members of the um, Divine Academy of Knowledge or something. There's a guy that's connected to the UN and, and, you know, it's just they don't understand that they have all sorts of tentacles that are, that are on them they don't even know about. Yes. And when we last spoke, the, the new mRNA vaccines had not quite yet been to brought to market. Uh, we now have obviously ample evidence that these injections are neither safe nor effective. Um, so the ultimate purpose of the push of mass vaccination is simply depopulation at this point. That's, that's, that's just, just plain and simple. The whole thing is what they say in the Georgia Guidestones. We're going to reduce the population to 500,000, uh, 500 million from 8 billion. That's what they're going to do. And it's all going to be Gentiles. So the, 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 this is what they're going to, and by the way, even in the Jews, among the Jews, the, the secular Jews who are running the world hate the Orthodox Jews. But the Orthodox Jews say the secular Jews should not be in Palestine because they're not obeying God. And it's the Orthodox Jews that should be in Palestine. So people get all confused about what's Zionism and what is Bolshevism and all that because they fight among themselves and it gets everybody else confused. Just like they frequently call their Talmud the Torah. People say, oh, well, they they live by the Torah, which is supposedly the Bible. No, they call their Talmud the Torah sometimes just to confuse everybody. So right. you've got to have a long experience with this. You've got to you study it diligently you've got to know what it is they're doing and the bible is the one that tells you about all these things that are going to happen and it's happening right now but nobody wants to study the bible so so why then has israel been unrolling the shot and now they're into the third booster i mean and, and the, you know the results in israel have obviously been catastrophic uh with with the how do we know that well i guess published data oh right oh you can always believe the published data the, the, the published data in medical circles has been so corrupt for at least 30 years. Uh, the woman, Marcia Engel, who was the editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, said years ago, you know, the, 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 the articles that are coming in now are just a mess because they're lie and all of that. So you can't even look at the medical literature recent. But it used to be good years ago but not anymore because what they do is they, these uh, drug companies write their own articles and then they pay some guy to put his name on them. Uh, and they're all lies. So you, we don't know what's going on in 
in Israel. We don't know what's going on in Israel. We know that they're killing the Palestinians. We know that. But because we've had long-term information on that, and I show that in the book, they're wiping them out like crazy. But, but we don't know whether the um, actually Israelis are getting the, the, uh, the real jabs or whether they're getting placebo. We don't know. They're, it's, they're not going to wipe them out completely. They need them there to hold that place for them. So they're not going to wipe them all out. So how do we know that it's not all propaganda coming? Have you been there recently? Nor have I. So we don't know. And the, and the, the media is all controlled. Yes, that's a good point. Uh, of course, the FDA, which we've identified as a highly corrupt organization, has approved these uh, mRNA shots merely upon the original data set uh, and, of course, the, the massive manipulation that Pfizer did with that data set without taking in, into consideration the massive and growing data available from the VAERS system. Uh, Karen Kingston recently on the, on the show had said that this is a highly illegal process. Uh, would you agree with that statement? I mean, it's not even worth talking about. It is so corrupt. The VAERS, you know, doctors don't report stuff. Doctors don't report stuff. They talk about, I remember when the flu vaccine first came out and they said, you know, 37,000 people die every year from flu and pneumonia. Flu and pneumonia. I said, what? What? Flu and pneumonia. Flu and pneumonia? Why did they put those two together? You know why? Doctors don't report the flu. The CDC has never kept statistics on the flu. Ever, ever, ever. They're lying. <laughs> Many people who have the flu don't even go to the doctor. And doctors don't report those stuff. I never, of all my 25 years in orthodox medicine, I, nev I never reported the flu and I never knew one doctor who ever reported one case of the flu. They don't have any statistics on the flu. Pneumonia is a is an ultimate cause of death and people dying from heart disease cancer the last event is pneumonia and they have it all on their birth certificates that's why they had to add pneumonia because thirty-seven thousand people die from pneumonia nobody dies from the flu okay so they say thirty-seven thousand people die from flu and pneumonia i mean they're lying so i mean it's lie upon lie upon lie upon lie and that nobody reports these things the doctors are actually being getting in trouble if they're reporting uh, uh, and, and I have close friends still who are doctors and I have family members who are doctors working in hospitals I know this is going on that if they actually report that there's a, a vaccine uh, adverse effect they get in trouble so all the various things are made up as well and so when we base anything on that that's why I see all these people who are talking about this, they don't know what they're talking about because they actually think some of these statistics are real. They're not. They're not. None of them are real. And of course, as you said, as you pointed out, the, um, the PCR doesn't test for anything. It's a chemical copy machine. That's all it is. It copies what's there. It doesn't test for anything. And that's one reason it's interesting that right before the pandemic started, um, uh, Carrie Mullis, who invented, developed the PCR test, uh, suddenly died uh, when he said Anthony Fauci knows nothing, he's a fool, and he always wanted to debate him, and so then he suddenly disappears from the picture, then they use the PCR uh, to test for, they use a PCR that doesn't test for anything to test for a disease that doesn't exist.
And then they talk about VARES, which nobody reports to. Everything is false. So, you know, and everybody gets focused on discussing these things. Oh, well, look, the VARES says this and that. It's all a fake. All of it. So is there reliable... On those things, focus, 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 and let's talk about the variants. What about this variant? And how? how and what about the, the the blood cell thinners and the coagulation and all? When you're dead, you're dead. It doesn't matter how they did it. You're dead. Uh, is there reliable evidence to suggest that these mRNA shots will reprogram human DNA and create transhumans and perhaps afford a, a control via AI platforms? Well, there is some evidence to suggest that with what you hear, uh, uh, and certainly they do want to control, and they have had for a long period of time the ability to wipe out any spirituality by injections. They can wipe that out in an individual. Uh, so they can do kind of a chemical lobotomy without actually having to go in and do it surgically. They can do that with uh, the things that they have investigated. And, and of course, people don't realize that we have a a DNA repair mechanism in our body that we, we have a lot of damage done to our DNA um, every day just by the toxic products that we produce in our own body by living. So the DNA repair mechanism can repair 66,000 damages a day. There's some evidence that some of these um, kill shots are actually uh, interrupting that DNA repair mechanism so it can't repair your DNA. But your diseases aren't caused by your DNA anyway. Uh, that's what they always want to talk about. Oh, it's genetic. It's genetic. Oh, this disease is genetic. Uh, the number of diseases that are genetic are so small that they account for less than one one hundredth of one percent of all the deaths in America per year. The diseases that account for 99.9999% of deaths are not genetic. They're caused by the way we live, think, act, eat, and handle stress. They're heart disease, cancer. Uh, immune diseases, all that, because we do it to ourselves. Uh, if cancer were genetic, then our great-grandparents would have had to have had as much cancer as we do in order for them to pass it down to us in our genes. In 1900, the incidence of cancer in America was 3%. Now it's greater than 50%. We're doing it to ourselves by our destructive lifestyle. So so this, this is the thing, but they want us to concentrate on all of these things that are relatively insignificant and they're all lies anyway. But people will accept certain lies such as, well, uh, you know, there is a, a rise in, in COVID cases. Well, again, COVID doesn't exist. And even if it did exist, they don't have any tests to test it because the PCR doesn't test for it. So it's a lie upon lie. And yet everybody gets focused on, oh, well, about these things. That, that don't exist, you see? So that's what they want us to do. The real thing is they want to exterminate the population so the Jews can rule the world themselves. And this is all about the great controversy between good and evil, between Christ and Satan. So then you have to say, well, what do we do? What do we do now? Let's go, let's go have a freedom march. Let's go have a, you know, have a protest. Let's get out the guns. That's not gonna do it. They already own the world. Your only salvation is to know the Lord better than you know anybody in, in, in human society. To know the Lord better than that. That's your only chance to save yourself and your children. That's what this is all about, trusting God.
learn to know him. That doesn't mean that nothing bad will happen to us. But what it does mean is nothing bad will happen to us unless God allows it and he will only allow it if it is for our ultimate good to learn what we need to learn. But if you do not know God, and I'm not talking about going to a church and believing all their stupid doctrines. I'm talking about really searching for the Lord with all your heart. If you do not know God, then you are subject to all the whims of Satan and whatever he wants to do to you. So that's the that's the means for people then to resist this insidious plot is is simply to to know God. To know God because that's the point of it all. That's the point of it all. If you look at the Bible, when Israel would leave God and go into paganism, then God would give Israel up to their lover, which was a pagan nation. And then they would reap what they'd sown and the pagan nation would come down strong on them. God has done the same thing. America has turned their back on God. They love everything of Satan. So God has said, okay, you love him. I'll let you see how it is for him to run your life. Hmm. And that's what's happening right now. And so what do you see? What do you see is coming next then? What are, what, what's your predictions in terms of what's coming down the pipeline? They're going to take away the guns. They're going to uh, come and forcefully uh, uh, either forcefully in your own home vaccinate you by holding you down and uh, against your will, or they're going to take you to a concentration camp where your relatives will not be allowed to ever see you again, and then they will do whatever they want to you there. Uh, this plan, they will kill you in any way they choose, and they like to do it in the most miserable fashion because that's what Satan likes. Now, don't just do it cleanly and, and painlessly. Let's do it in the worst way possible. Let's cause them to suffer as much as possible. All you have to do is look what they did. They're gonna, the food is going to be coming in short supply. They're paying farmers in America to destroy their crops. They're paying them 50% more than they usually do to destroy their crops. And so people will say, well, I have to get vaccinated in order to have a job to buy food, to put it on the table. They're always forgetting that God took the Israelites into a place, and the Israelites were not Jews, Christians, took them into a place where they could do nothing for themselves. Manna fell from heaven, water came from a rock, a, a cloud covered them during the daytime to keep them from being too hot in the desert, and a pillar of fire of night so they wouldn't be cold. God can provide it all. He fed 15,000 people, 5,000 men plus women and children, with five loaves and two fish. So. Mm -hmm. If nobody has to get the vaccine, they have to trust God, but nobody trusts God. They trust themselves. They trust in man and not God. And, and when you trust in man, you're really trusting in Satan because there's nothing in between. There are only two major forces in this world, but God is going to win in the end. But right now, he has turned America and the world and Canada and the UK and Australia and over to their lover because they have shown they love fame and fortune and money and, and, and they, they want to be the you know, center of attention and that's what they love. And so that's what's happening. Interesting. Um, I've, just, I've just shared a scripture here on the screen. I wonder if we could conclude today by uh, you reading that for us. Well, it's part of it's covered up, but I said, think it says all of the power of the enemy and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. Well, indeed, but again, John the Baptist had his head cut off. You have to realize that. And God 
Jesus called John the Baptist the greatest. So you can't take that out of context. It doesn't mean that nothing bad will happen to us if we trust God. What it does mean is nothing will happen to us. We will not be at the will of Satan. Nothing bad will happen to us unless God allows it. And if God allows it, it is for our ultimate good to teach us, uh, to, to lead us to him. If we don't trust God, we are at the whims of Satan and his communist government. Okay, so when it says nothing, you will crush them and nothing will injure you. Uh, this is in Luke, but you notice that Paul, Saul, who became Paul, who was a Pharisee, who became a believer in Jesus Christ, he had to reap what he had sown. He was beaten. He was put in prison. He was shipwrecked. He had all sorts of bad things happen to him because he had done that to other people. But but he was bitten by a snake and he didn't die by this poisonous snake. So. Uh, again, true Christians, uh, we know that that uh, when uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in the fiery furnace, they said to him, they said to to the king, they said, "We will even our God can protect us, but even if He doesn't, we will not bow down." And that has to be our uh, logo. Even if He doesn't, we will not bow down. And so that's what it has to be. Uh, they may still cut off my head. Uh, I don't think I'm going to gain special privileges because, you know, I, I went through a real struggle with cancer, enormous amount of pain, enormous amount of pain. I still refused to go and have uh, orthodox therapy because I knew that if I could turn my back on God, I would die because doctors don't know how to get you well. And so I have been to death's door before and God put it in my heart to stand for him. And I just want to stay close enough to the Lord that the, the next uh, temptation I get or the next trial or the next torture I get, um, you know, I don't, I don't mind dying. I don't look forward to the torture that may happen before that. But just because we are Christians does not mean that we will be absolved of any bad things happening to us. Because we're all on the road to salvation. God has to perfect our lives. And he does it through trials and temptations. Nobody changes if everything's going fine. People only change if everything is upside down. And even then, most people don't change. Right, right. So what else is on your to-do list um, moving forward? Any, any other uh, plans or grand schemes? Well, I have, well, first of all, you know, I run a business. I run a medical publishing business, but then I'm writing uh, four more books. Um, and uh, one of them is a daily reader that's just doctrinal. My utmost for as highest by... Um, Oswald Chambers is non-doctrinal. It's very good. Uh, he didn't understand about hell and those things and about universal restoration. He didn't understand about those. So I'm writing a daily reader. I'm writing a book of uh, Bible studies for children, helping them understand the Bible and that God is not a pyromaniacal psychopath, which is what all the churches teach, scares kids to death. Uh, and uh, uh, I, so I'm writing Bible studies uh, for them. And I uh, am writing a a book called um, uh, Change Your Mind, uh, which is on mental illness and how you can get well from mental illness and what not with drugs and all that. And then I'm writing another one uh, showing, uh, I guess I'll give you this right at the beginning, it's gonna be very controversial, showing that viruses don't exist. Mm, okay, excellent. And, and when can we expect some of those to be out available? Uh, probably not for about a year. And again, you know, that is assuming because it takes, I mean, I, I'm busy every day. I'm not just writing. Uh, I, I work. 
I work 10 hour days every day, uh, except Saturday. But, uh, and so I write, I only write on Saturday, I write about God and his health plan and, and his truth on Saturday. So I have one day a week to write. So I probably won't be ready with any of these books until a few months into the coming year. Uh, that is, if I'm still free. Okay. Well, we look forward to those. And Dr. Day, how can listeners learn more about you and your work? Where would I direct them? You can go to, I have two websites. One is drday.com, drday.com. And the other one is goodnewsaboutgod.com. Good news about God is all one word, all small letters, goodnewsaboutgod.com. On that uh, website, I have over 10,000 political articles all categorized in various categories. I've got over 300 Bible studies uh, that are there for free. I have a Monday night free online Zoom Bible study that anybody can join. Just go to the first, uh, the homepage and of either of my websites, you can sign up for it. Those videos are all posted on my website. You can find out where they're posted there so you can watch them. If you're in another country and it's not convenient time for when I do it, six o'clock Monday night Pacific time. And um, so I, I'm doing a, a lot of other things besides running my business, besides writing books. Excellent. Well, that's great. That uh, provides the listeners uh, all sorts of information. And uh, I appreciate you, Dr. Day, and what you've done uh, for humanity and continue to do. And uh, I look forward to speaking with you again in the future uh, when we have some more to talk about. And, and hopefully, uh, as the year rolls over here, we're still free and breathing clean air. Hopefully. Hopefully. But it, sooner or later, it's all going to be gone. All right. We're well, we're going to go back to what it was. This is it. But again, how, how, there all these children. I mean, we just passed Halloween. All these children were killed on Halloween by these satanic people. How long do you want that to go on? You know, that's why Jesus is coming back. He said, "Enough. This is enough." When they start murdering and drinking the blood of innocent children, that's enough. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Well, thank you, ma'am. Uh, we shall be in touch. God bless. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.